Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of The Synopsis. I am Zach, welcome to the show as we dive down the rabbit hole into another episode. We are on episode 19, which means Friday is going to be episode 20. We're going to do some song lyrics on that Friday for our ending segment because I got a couple of requests for that. But first, as always, we're going to talk about some stuff online on the synopsis. This episode is going to be about exorcisms and exorcists. I said it on the last episode of the podcast I heard of this exorcist. Her name was Rachel Stavis, I believe that's how you pronounce it. It may be Stavis, and if I am wrong, I am sorry. I do apologize to Miss Rachel. I heard on the Talk is Jericho podcast her talking to Chris Jericho and she had some interesting things to say about spirits, about what she does and overall about exorcisms and stuff like that. So I figured, hey, you know what would be a good idea? Let's talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. We talked about them a couple of episodes ago when we talked about Haunted Dolls. We talked about the um, Robert the Doll situation with Ed and Lorraine. So let's talk a little bit about them, go a little bit into the research about them, and then we'll talk about Rachel and what she does and how her way of doing things is completely different to the Warrens and different to the churches and maybe even a new wave of exorcisms and mediums and stuff like that will come from her experience and what she shows and tells. So with that being said, Let's move into this time online, but first, a quick message from our sponsors. Our sponsor today is Ethics. Again, we are going to be talking about the vegan product and the organic product of ethics.com, E-T-H-C-S.com. They are a UK-based company in London, and their whole entire product line is vegan and PETA certified. I love this company. I love what they're doing. I feel like what they're doing is slowly going to change the world and what we do in clothing and whatnot in the future. Their website, again, is ethcs.com. And if you go on there right now, you will see some male clothes, some female clothes, and some children clothes. And they are very, very great in quality. And guess what, guys? This is a great offer right now. If you spend £50 in the United Kingdom, you will get free shipping. If you spend over $98 in the US, you will get free shipping. And anywhere else in the world, if you spend over £80 on the website, you will get free shipping. Trust me, that is a great deal especially when you are getting the quality that you are basically spending 50 bucks there's only two shirts right there you can do it in the US you're spending three or four shirts fantastic vibes check them out ethics.com sponsoring the synopsis today with that being said ladies and gentlemen let's get into this time online and there's a couple things we are going to discuss today first things first I forgot to do this yesterday so let's give a huge shout out to the boys at New Legacy Inc for raising money for the Canadian Cancer Society they raised well over $30,000 which is being donated to the Fighting Back course that's fantastic a couple of you sent me some messages and some photos uh, screenshots that you actually watched the stream and donated to them that's a pretty big big vibe here the synopsis crew doing a couple of things to really help out the community and I would love to one day be able to do that maybe do a live stream on video games or maybe even a live stream podcast and we raise money for a charity of your guys' choosing or a charity of my choosing something like that cancer is definitely something that is close to home I have lost my parents to that I have lost family to that and I have lost a lot of people to cancer and to stuff like that so big shout out to New Legacy Inc and all the boys there for raising over $30,000 for the Canadian cancer society so big up the nl boys i'm proud of the group of synopsis a couple of our fans were donating as well i love that one day i'm gonna have that kind of money i hope i pray that i can double whatever they make in their stream and i can commit to that society so i would give them another thirty thousand dollars maybe one day maybe one day we can do something like that maybe one day i'll have the money i don't know hopefully i will i highly doubt it but hey you never know life is funny that way so let's move on to the other subject of this time online. We are going to be talking about the extinction that may happen to sage plants. So if you're living in the US, you obviously know that sage plants are popular among the basic white girls and among the spiritualists of what they believe. So this is what's happening right now. We are over 
harvesting sage plants that in the wild right now they are becoming extinct they are becoming endangered so we really need to back up on the sage plants I will talk about this a little bit more when we talk about Rachel Stavis the exorcisms today about how sage isn't really the best herb to use to try and fight off those spirits or to give you good karma or good luck apparently it has a low vibration energy and a higher one to use will be frankincense or myrrh so if you're using those sage plants right now maybe back up on those go to your local earthbound or your local uh, incense store try and find some myrrh or some frankincense spray that around a little bit stop burning sage try and save the sage plants a little bit because the last thing we need is those going extinct a lot of things are going extinct right now in the world like i said in an earlier podcast the giraffes are beginning to come extinct we're going to have turtles extinct soon if we don't do something about that but we'll talk about the turtles in just a second with those plastic straws you know who you are and what we can do to avoid that going without ethics kind of vibe there with the vegan trying to save the planet i'm all about that guys if you're not about that you're not living in the same world that we are a lot of things are happening a lot of things are going wrong and we need to fix them as a human race together not working separately with that being said talking about the turtles we all know about the plastic straw problem where we need to use uh recyclable straws or even those pop-up straws that a lot of people have been doing online recently which are actually staffs it's somewhat becoming of a meme and i'm okay with that as long as it brings in the idea that we need to start talking about the turtles and saving them and saving the oceans like i said the ocean is a lot unexplored we found that shark recently that was over 375 years old unexplored territory and we want to keep it that way we want to make sure that eventually in the future we'll be able to find more animals out there so we need to start saving the turtles the plastic straws aren't the issue though the biggest issue right now is cigarette butts you can recycle straws you can pick them up and throw them into your local recycling you can't do that with cigarette butts and that is what is polluting our oceans right now is cigarette butts so if you're a smoker right now please number one try and stop smoking for your health smoking is bad for you and i'm not trying to preach anything on this podcast i'm just giving you my opinions like i always do however if you are a smoker right now please take a portable ashtray with you or something where you can put your cigarette butts there are stuff out there online where you can have a little pouch just to put the cigarette butt in or dispose of it correctly where your local trash can has the top with the cigarettes you can put out that way they can dispose of these cigarettes butts correctly the chances are they probably just burn them or something along those lines but regardless throwing them into the ocean throwing them onto the ground that's littering guys that is pollution and you will get a thousand dollar fine if you are caught doing that i have seen people throwing out cigarette butts of their cars and don't get me wrong it's very bad for the environment but i'm not one of those people who know how to do like the reporting and stuff but i have heard people report people's cars for throwing out cigarette butts for polluting and they have been fined a thousand plus dollars for littering like I said, the world needs to be changed and doing the environment a good is something that we all need to work on together. Let's try and work together as a unit, as a common race to try and stop the pollution. You go into the ocean right now, chances are you're going to see a lot of pollution and we as humans need to change that. Obviously, the way we dispose of waste needs to change, the way that we recycle needs to change. I work for a company, I work in a restaurant industry, okay? We go through so much plastic per day with tomatoes coming in, selling to-go drinks, all that stuff. And our recycling is basically only cardboard. Something that we need to change is to have a plastic recycling and to do the trash separately. This way we can actually do actual recycling instead of just throwing it into an organics container and hoping that they pick through it. Personally, I will bring home things from the work to recycle because I feel that strongly about it. I am a very big man on recycling, trying to save the environment. I am not a full and zero waste householder. That is something I aspire to be to. But it is difficult and it takes time to figure out. So eventually maybe we will get there. But as of right now, we're probably like 5 to 10% waste household. So we really try and cut back as much as we can. And our last story of this time online, we're going to discuss somebody who you may have heard of. His name is PewDiePie. If that hurt your ears, I do apologize. But PewDiePie is trending on the Twitters. He has just married his longtime girlfriend, Matsya, in a wedding recently in London. Eight years to the day they exactly met. So congratulations to Pewds and to Matsya. Or let's say Felix and Matsya. Let's lose his real name. Congratulations to Felix and Matsya. Well done. You got married. Welcome to the club. 
don't screw it up. Trust me, it's difficult. Marriage life is a big, big walk. It's a two-way street. If it's only one way, then you need to get out of that relationship. And I can give you relationship advice all day long. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling single, all that good stuff. You need to work on yourself. How can you love somebody if you have, if you can't love yourself? And that sounds very cliche, but think about it. If you expect somebody to love you, then they have to have a reason to love you. And if you don't have a reason to love yourself, then they will not have a reason either. So love yourself before you try and love anyone else. Don't get down on yourself. There's always somebody out there for somebody. But that person may not be in your vicinity. That person may not be in your town. But if you find that person and you guys are really connected, then by all means, take that chance in life. That's what I did. And look where I am now. I'm in a nice house. I got two dogs, two cats, a baby, and a gorgeous wife. And hopefully, just hopefully, that continues in my life and my life only goes up from here. It's all about positivity, guys. And I know it's hard for me to talk about that because I go through a lot of stages where positivity is not good for me. I go through a lot of stages where I go through depression. I go through, as they say, the doctors diagnosed it as anxiety. ADD, all that shit that really makes it difficult for me to look on the upside in life. But when I see my child and she laughs at me, the upside comes out again and I can try and figure out where to go from there. And that's how this podcast got started, actually. The synopsis did start from me having an idea, a little vision, and that changed into something where we are 19 episodes in now. I got myself a nice little setup, even though I'm in my laundry room at times doing my recordings because I don't want to disturb the dogs or the baby. I'm still living life to the fullest. I'm still entertaining people. And hopefully you guys are entertained by today's podcast. So let's get right into it. We're going to take a quick break from another sponsor today. And then we are going to get into the exorcisms. And we are going to discuss the people who have done that. So stay tuned. Get a snacky snack because we're already 12 minutes into the podcasting already. So let's have some fun right here on the only podcast that matters in your life. The Synopsis. Alright guys, so we are talking about some haunted stuff again on the podcast, on the synopsis. We're talking about some exorcists and some exorcisms. We're going to start off with the Warrens, but first, you guys seem to love the haunted stuff on the podcast. We're going to do some different stuff coming soon. I'm not really sure what, but I know the haunted creepy kind of stuff has been a vibe recently and everyone seems to be enjoying it. The feedback I've got is good, so... I'm going to keep going with it, and I'm going to change it up a little bit, a little more different things, a little more positive things, maybe we'll do some story time, something like that. So give me some suggestions on Twitter, at The Synopsis Pod, and on Instagram, hit that follow button at The Synopsis Podcast. Guys, every single like, every single share on Twitter, every single share on Instagram or view, it helps out the podcast, it helps get our name out there, and the family and the unit, the group that we're creating right now, is going to hopefully expand at some point, it's going to be big, I'm really hoping that you guys will be here to join me on this great ride. So with that being said, guys, let's get into the main podcast today. We're going to be talking about the Warrens to begin with, and then we're going to move on to Miss Rachel Stavis. I believe that is how you say her name. But let's talk about the Warrens first. We talked about them on a couple episodes ago, talking about the haunted dolls with Robert the Doll. Ed Warren and Lorraine Warren, they are two of the most famous paranormal investigators in history and also some of the most controversial paranormal investigators in history. I'm going to give you a little backstory here. In 1952, so Ed is born in 1926, Lorraine was born in 1927. So in 1952, they founded the New England Society of Psychic Research the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. They have investigated allegedly over 10,000 10, cases in their career. And they were one of the first people to be on site for the Amityville House of Horrors. Basically, if you've seen Amityville, everyone's heard of that. They know what's going on. So if you have heard of Amityville, you know a lot about the Warrens themselves. So let's just get into it, I guess. Um, there are a lot of skeptics over the Warrens and their claims. There are skeptics like Perry, Del Angeles, Stephen Novella, 
Joe Nickel, Benjamin Radford, they are a lot of people who are saying that what they did is a bunch of crap basically, they said that their evidence is blarney, that is a quote, they skepticize that they are just making up stuff, that the famous hauntings they were talking about like Amityville and the uh, Snedenka family haunted did not happen and had been created by the Warrens themselves, kind of a setup almost. Now, I didn't know about the Snedenka family haunting until I looked into the Warrens, and that was a very interesting scenario, which we will talk about very soon. We're going to talk about the notable investigations which they had. There are nine of them that are really, really up there that a lot of people discuss, but again, the biggest thing we're talking about today with these exorcisms are that how people are saying that the Warrens is a bunch of shit. Now, full disclaimer before we continue in the synopsis, in no way, shape or form am I saying there is no such thing as demons or demonologists, and Rachel Stavis is a perfect example of this who we will discuss later. However, the Warrens, with their claim to fame of over 10,000 studies and 10,000 cases, this is where people start calling BS on the Warrens. Now, Ed Warren himself, was a quote-unquote self-taught demonologist. That right there should somewhat be a skeptical thing that people are already jumping on. If Ed Warren was a self-taught demonologist, how exactly do you teach demonology? We're talking about Rachel later on in the podcast. I will keep bringing her up properly throughout this investigation we do on the Warrens. But Rachel has stated that she was born with her gift. Now, she can see things, and we'll go into that later on, but basically you are born with the gift to either connect with this spirit world. Everybody has this ability. When they are young, they can connect with the spirit world, but we are taught in life that what is right is right, and what is wrong is wrong. The imaginary friends that children see, we say they aren't real, so then children kind of block that out. We teach people as adults, we teach our children what we believe in, and we don't let them believe in their own beliefs, if that makes sense. What I'm saying is, is that just because, again, we go back to the shark from 375 years ago, just because we can't see it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that is a great quote here that we can use for the demonology. However, the biggest problem we have is with Ed Warren claiming that he was self-taught. How can you self-teach yourself to see a demon? I mean, I get it, everyone's born with the ability to do that, but you cannot, and if you teach yourself to see a demon, okay, cool, you can see shit. However, you can't exactly be like, alright, I know how to exercise this, it's all good, I got this, I'm cool, I'm chilling. 10,000 cases, doesn't mean nothing to me. I'm 30 years old, I got plenty of time. 10,000 cases, how can you do 10,000 cases in that short amount of time? He died in, what year did he die? I cannot remember, I think it was 2006. It was 2006. So he died at 80 years old in 2006. So in 1952, he started doing stuff. So he died in 2006, 52 plus, that would be 54. So he did this for 54 years, allegedly. 10,000 cases, that's a lot, a lot of cases. So a lot of people are saying some of those cases, kind of BS. So let's dive into the cases. Let's see what people are talking about. We know about the Annabelle doll. We talked about Raggedy Ann doll in a Haunted Doll episode. So, if you haven't heard that, go back to Haunted Dolls, check out Annabelle, and then you can hear my interpretation of that. You can hear the story about that. We all know it, you know, encouraged the conjuring, Annabelle, um, you know, Annabelle comes home, Annabelle the creation. So again, if you haven't checked out our Haunted Doll podcast, go back and listen. I believe it was episode 17. You will hear about Annabelle and her story. So we're going to skip over her as a notable thing. There's a couple of ones we can talk about. The Amityville obviously was claimed as a hoax by a couple of people who said that the Amityville horror is just a bunch of BS. The haunted was the haunting of the Amityville horrors based in 1977 and adapted into a book in 1979. Obviously 2005 they had a movie called the Amityville Horror. The Conjuring 2 was based on it. However, Eyewitnesses have said that the investigations and the forensic evidence that they said about the horror was a bunch of bullshit. The people who lived in the house created this horror story over many drinks and many bottles of wine. So they created this whole mystery about this Amityville which the Warrens came into and allegedly, I'm going to use that here, allegedly because I'm not getting sued by anybody. This is just opinions and theories and stuff like that so this is an alleged situation that it was made up and the warrens went into there because they were one of the first investigators quote unquote they went into this house they made up a bunch of stuff with the family the family agreed with them and then once other investigators came and stuff like that the warrens 
told them what they had quote unquote found and discovered, the family backed up their statements, and this is what caused the Amityville hoax. And Amityville is a very annoying word to say, I keep like spilling my words over that, so I hope that doesn't show off too badly in the podcast. So again, allegedly it was a bunch of crap. Personally, I don't know, Amityville is one of those things where it has been talked about to, it's like beating a dead horse at this point. So many people say it's fake. Lorraine specifically told the Express Times that it was not fake, that it was real. Everybody knew about it. There was a book though in 1977, which we just discussed, and the Amityville Horror happened in 1976. So within that year, a whole book came out, and then a movie two years after that. That does seem a little bit suspect when you think about it. How did they get all of that productive and produced so quickly and with so much detail if the Warrens were still doing quote-unquote an investigation? Seems a little bit suspect, and this is why a lot of people claim, hey, hoax. So moving on from Amityville, because like I said, we have all heard of that. Let's talk about the Snedeker house. This was in 1986. They claimed that the Snendeka house, which was a former funeral home, is infested with demons. It was featured in a book called The Dark Place, which was released in 1992. was on a Discovery Channel in 2002 called a series called The Haunting. The Haunting in Connecticut is based on the Warrens' version of the events. A lot of people said that it was, again, bullshit. Uh, people said in the book that was released, the family was involved with the story, going through some serious problems like alcoholism and drug addictions, couldn't keep their story straight, and it became frustrating for people to try and talk to them. So this, again, was a suggestion that the Warrens came in and said, hey, if you want to make a little bit of money, then by all means, let's make some money and let's make up some stories about some demons. Obviously, it's a form of funeral home, so there's bound to be some spirits there, but the Warrens claiming it was nothing but demons is something that everyone kind of put into there. A paranormal investigator by the name of Benjamin Radford said, uh, Lorraine, if she told me the sun would come up tomorrow morning, I would get a second opinion. That shows you within that time span of nine years from 77 to 86, how discredited the Warrens had become, yet they became such public influences in the paranormal investigators. People are saying again, I'm much like a medium who gets overexposed, that they're just making up a bunch of their stuff. That way to get more publicity, to make more money, and to obviously eventually make the a museum that they did, the Warren Museum, which has Robert the Dole in it. And they were just kind of very upset over the whole entire situation. A lot of people were pissed about this. The biggest part of this whole haunting from the Slendeka house is the story that the family told. And like we said, they couldn't really keep their story straight. This is just a glimpse of the story here. So the family stated that their eldest son uh, began seeing ghosts and visions of ghosts and murders and stuff like that in the funeral home. Now, number one, they're living in a funeral home, so obviously you're going to have visions of that. It's going to be in your environment. A lot of people don't believe in environment affecting how you live, but that is true. The environment is something that can affect your lifestyle, whether it be your outlook on life, your outlook on people, or anything like that. Your environment always affects how you live. So here we are, older son starting to see visions and whatnot. He's living in a funeral home. He's going to see visions of dead people, whether it be in his sleep or awake. That's obviously going to be something that he sees. Then the family members said everything got worse. The parents claimed they were both raped and sodomized by demons, which is, I mean, jeez. I mean, what am I supposed to say about that? You're claiming you've been sodomized and raped by demons. Demons, of all things, they have nothing better to do than to sodomize and rape two people, apparently. So, hey, that's what they said. The mother of the house, Carmen, said that when she was mopping the floor one day, water turned into blood and smelled of decaying flesh. It sounds like a lot of things from a Hollywood movie. Uh, it's one of those things where, again, it sounds like they were just trying to make a quick buck because of their drug and alcohol problems and the Warrens saw an opportunity to capitalize on it, make a story out of it, and eventually they made a movie out of it, The Conjuring of Connecticut. It's a 2009 movie that was released, so if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check it out. It'll be a lot more in-depth than this is about the Slendekas. Again, though, the Warrens were claimed to be calling bullshit. Obviously, this sounds like bullshit to me. There was another investigator, his name was Joe Nichols, he investigated the whole situation. He said 
it was completely bullshit. The landlady didn't believe it. She noted nobody before or after had had an experience unusual in the house, and the Snendecker family stayed in the house for two more years before deciding to leave. My dog has just come in, so hi, Jessie. How are you doing, little girl? How are you, Jessie? She's just chilling, laying down. She thinks it's lunchtime, it's not yet. She's got another 20 minutes. So, back onto the story of the Snendeka. They said they were being assaulted and raped by Satan minions for months at a time. Wasn't a good enough reason to break the lease. I mean, if you're going to go to your mortgage, your bank, or whatever it is, and saying, hey, a demon is raping me, I need to leave, I'm pretty sure they're going to say you're crazy, and they are not going to accept that as a reason to break your lease and to leave your house. They had a lot of people go in on site who said the stories didn't mesh together. So they went to Ed Warren and said, hey, these stories aren't making sense. How are you believing all of this stuff? And Ed basically said, they're crazy. They got some of the stories. Just use what work and makes the rest up. Make it up. Make it scary. That is words and quotes there from Ed Warren, who was basically admitting that he's making up this bullshit, but he wants to make the money for the Hollywood vibe. So Ed and Lorraine, obviously, again, being called bullshit. And it's one of those things, again, where we're talking about a bunch of shit. There was another demon situation in 1981 where there was a man called Arnie Johnson. He was accused of killing his landlord, and Ed and Lorraine had been called prior to the killing to deal with the demonic possessions of his younger brother fiance. Uh, Warren subsequently claimed that Johnson was also possessed and at the trial Johnson tried to plead not guilty by reason of demonic possession. Obviously he wasn't successful in his plea and that was described in a book called The Devil of Connecticut in 1983 by Gerald Brittle. If you haven't checked it out go check out that book. Very interesting. I've actually read it myself. The whole entire thing is just crazy from start to finish. It's one of those things where you're just like really? This is what they're trying to do. So, the devil made me do it case of something that Ed and Lorraine were in involved in again. And it seems wherever Ed and Lorraine go, there seems to be some issues. There seems to be problems, and it seems to be very escalated and very out there. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Zach, you're reading all of these things, and you're telling us stories about them, and just claiming the Warrens are bullshit. So... How about you tell us something good about it? Well, honestly, I can't, guys. The Warrens have so many stories and so many activities that it's just kind of one of those things when you look at it and you start really going in down and going deep to all of their investigations, quote-unquote, and their 10,000 cases, quote-unquote, and you look at all of the stuff, you're like, really? They just seem to be telling ghost stories. They don't actually seem to be doing anything. Hell, I can tell a ghost story. I can tell a ghost story and make it up and then make $100,000 easily. But I'm not one of those people who is going to be able to do that successfully without evidence. You have these guys right now who have quote-unquote witnesses to demonic possessions and being haunted and raped by demons and devil made me kill people and all this shit. And the Warrens are just making a quick buck off of it. They're basically telling a ghost story and having the participants play their parts to a T, to which people are believing it. Every single case nearly that the Warrens have done seems to be in a book, or seems to be a movie, or on a TV series, something like that. So you can't tell me that the Warrens aren't making a few, weren't, sorry, making a quick buck off of this. Obviously, Lorraine died this year in 2019, which exposed a lot more stuff that was going on. But the Warrens were definitely making a quick buck out of all these scenarios. There was the Union Cemetery, which is based in eastern Connecticut. It is one of the quote-unquote most haunted graveyards in America. Uh, demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren have wrote a book about it called The Day the Graveyard. Hmm. Sound familiar? Look at them again. Making a book, making some money off of something that they quote-unquote are claiming is demonic and possessed. There is a story there of the white lady ghost who haunts the cemetery and she wears a white nightgown slash wedding dress and Ed Warren claimed to have a video of this white lady and caught her on camera. The white lady is compared to the bride entity from the 2019 film Annabelle Comes Home because of their resemblance. So fun fact there. But here's a fun fact as well. That video that Ed claimed to have captured her never made public. So, huh, it sounds a little skeptical, doesn't it, guys? 
Here's a couple of things about the Warrens. It says they found common errors with flash photography and nothing evil in the artifacts that Warrens have collected. They have a ton of fishy stories that evidence go away and disappears from. Their evidence aren't based on anything on a guard. They are just it's solid work, critical thinking, and they are making up the ghost stories. And like I said, having the partners in crime really helps. A lot of people claim that the Warrens basically had delusions and were trying to confuse the public about a legitimate scientific methodology methodology that's a hard word to say five times methodology holy holy hell i sound very stupid right now trying to pronounce that but we're going to continue with the podcast we're not going to cut that out fuck it who cares i sound dumb it's all good we're talking about dumb things right now with the warrants so they were basically trying to disclaim the scientific theory of demonology and science using the meters and using the radars and stuff like that whatever you use to really find ghosts and paranormal activity the warrens were just enforcing that delusion to the public that they were the ones who could see all these demons and stuff and they were the ones who could talk to them and they were the ones who could essentially get rid of them obviously we know now that's not the case and when we move on to rachel we'll have a nice little tie-in with the warrens so Overall, in my opinion, the Warrens had quote-unquote 10,000 cases, let's be honest, probably 9,500, 9,600, probably all stories that they made up with no witnesses and no evidence just to have people believe. A lot of their popular stories are in books or movies, and like I said, they went very public with this, and this is something that Rachel did not do. Rachel did not go public until it was kind of word in that mouth, and she became public. The Warrens, however, were just like, okay, we're public, we know everything that's going on, we know about ghosts and shit like that, and they were just out there. They used various individuals, they used police officers, nurses, college students, and members of the clergy in their investigations. Again, a lot of people who you can just plant in there, hey, you say this, we're going to give you a percentage of the book sale, or the percentage of the movie, or whatever it may be. You can pay somebody 50 bucks and they'll stand there and say something you want them to say if it's 50 bucks. I do it for 50 bucks, shit. You know, I. You see how many uh, episodes of the Snobs we have, how many sponsorships we have of Anchor? Because, let's be honest, there's not many other people who will sponsor us. So we're going to grind Anchor into the ground if we have to. I will say whatever you want me to say on the podcast. You know, money is money at the end of the day. You pay me $50 to go ahead and say, hey, a ghost came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, what's good, Mike? Have you seen Joe around? Hey, I'm going to say that and I'm going to say it with the scariest face on my on my face, basically. Now, before we move on, Lorraine always claimed to be a light trance medium and a clairvoyant. Now, clairvoyant is the ability to gain information from extrasensory perception, which is basically saying ghosts and stuff like that. They say they can see spirits off of tables, chairs, like the aura and all that good stuff. What they say, they can claim talk to ghosts, they can claim that they can speak to the ghosts, they can claim that they can see them, all that stuff, but it's not accepted by the scientific community because they are saying it's a example of pseudoscience. And pseudoscience is basically saying that it's the placebo effect. The placebo effect, if you haven't heard of the placebo effect, if you hear clicking in the background, I do apologize, my dogs are walking around. But this is what the placebo effect is. The placebo effect is basically taking a group of people and giving them a fake pill, a sugar pill, and telling them that this is going to work for them. They will take the pill and they will believe that it will work. They believe that it helped them. And this is just basically telling them in their mind that, hey, you guys are doing this great thing, but it's actually just you thinking in a positive way that that's what the placebo does to you. It works with depression, with pain, with fatigue syndrome. Um, There's been trial researches on it that make people you know 10 people went into a room they gave them some tic tacs nine people walked out saying that they felt great that this pill this super pill that they were given that said they'd make them feel better they all felt so much better but it was a sugar pill it was a tic tac basically it was all in their mind so that's what the placebo effect is and that's where they come from the pseudoscience and the clairvoyancy saying that lorraine is just basically saying this and if she says it enough in her brain it will make it work so that's why the suspicion of ed and lorraine was so high ed is out here telling stories being a quote-unquote self-processed self-professed demonologist self-taught and then here's Lorraine with her pseudoscience attempt saying that she can speak to the demons so right there a lot of 
you know, a lot of suspect was going around, and then obviously all of the stories that went around. The Parent family, which was haunted by a witch who lived there. The Warrens said that there was a curse on the land. Whoever lived there would die a terrible death. Again, it was made into a movie in 2013, The Conjuring. Lorraine Warren was a consultant in the movie itself and actually had a cameo role. Um, again, one of those things, again, I say um a lot and I'm saying again a lot, so I do apologize for that. It's one of those where I go into a rant and I kind of forget that I'm recording the podcast and I'm just kind of talking to myself out loud and really looking into stuff and being like, what the fuck is all this shit? So I do apologize if I'm saying words a lot and if it gets frustrating to you, so I am sorry about that. But it's just one of those areas where a lot of what they're talking about seems to be bullshit. They had the Enfield Poltergeist. The Warrens investigated a North London home. It was haunted by paranormal activity and haunted by a demon. It was known as a hoax carried out by children, but the Warrens were convinced it was a case of demonic possession. It inspired The Conjuring 2, again, another movie. The Warrens were involved to a far lesser degree than portrayed in the movie and in fact have shown up in the scene uninvited but refused admittance to the home. So the Warrens didn't want to go back there, but they said it was a hoax. The children admitted it was a hoax that they did. They were hungry for attention, but the Warrens are like, no, this is a demon. So now you have these children saying, hey, well, we made this up. Sorry, and the Warrens are like, no, 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 it's not your fault that you are possessed by demons. Well, hold on a minute. If the kids are admitting they just made this up for fun, then why are you even trying to bring up demons into this? Be like, hey, you know what? We knew that all along. We could tell there was no spirits here. Move on. But instead, you're trying to make something out of nothing. You're making that mountain out of that tiny ass molehill and this is why the warrens were so so uh, what's the word i'm looking for i think the word i'm looking for here is they were just so a pain in the ass in this paranormal community and yes they were very famous yes they were very public and yes they did a lot for the paranormal activity and for the paranormal investigations because they got it out there to the public and they became more open to the public. However, if you're going to do that by just making up ghost stories and just write some ghost stories, don't try and portray that you guys know everything and anything that is happening and are just the greatest people in the world. So with the Warrens, my personal opinion is they made up a bunch of their shit. They really didn't deserve the publicity that they got. They were just good storytellers and they were in the right place at the right time with the right people and that's how the world works sometimes if you can shift everything into the right way and they like i said they were great storytellers fantastic storytellers if you can convince people that they were haunted after kids just said they was a prank you've got to be a great storyteller you've got to be very very persuasive very convincing that you have that power and people were like, holy shit, he's actually right, I am possessed, or something along those lines. So, the Warrens made up a bunch of stuff, great storytellers, right place, right time. Somebody who doesn't make up stuff though, however, will be Rachel Stavis, and that may be controversial for me to say about the Warrens making stuff up, but hey, it is what it is, this is my podcast, these are my opinions, in no way, shape, or form does it represent the opinions of any of the sponsors in this podcast, or any of the supporters of the podcast, this is just my own opinion. Warrens made up all of their stories, in my personal opinion. One or two may have been real, but when you have 10,000 cases, and only two or three of them are real, and the rest are phony baloney, then your credibility is down the drain. So let's move on from the Warrens and talk about Rachel Stavis. I heard her on talk is Jericho. Hey, if she would ever come onto the podcast, I would be very, very happy. I would be more than happy to do an interview with her. That will highly unlikely happen because I'm just a small-time podcast. What makes us different to everybody else? Absolutely nothing. However, we are a great unit as a family. We try and do everything together, and we converse together, and we make this a very good podcast for everyone to be a group. So that may be what makes us stand out. But overall, it's just an English man talking into a microphone, living in America, talking about some ghosts and some shit and whatever comes out on his mind. So let's move on to Rachel Stavis some great things about her we're going to take a quick break real quick we're going to come right back Rachel's going to be our main subject of discussion stay tuned for that right here on the synopsis Alright guys, so we have discussed the Warrens in a little bit of detail really, and now we're moving on to another exorcist that I'm going to talk about, her name is Rachel Stavis, and we have mentioned her in a couple times, talking about the Warrens, and we're going to mention her here. I said before, I heard her on the Talk is Jericho podcast, she was talking about her exorcisms and demons and stuff like that, and this is a kind of unique field for her. She is 
one of the first people to really say that the exorcism she does isn't like a ghost is here let me get rid of it it's all about vibration and energy which is very more interesting than just i see ghosts this that it's one of those things where everything has an energy or positive energy and negative energy and this is what she believes so originally she never had the idea of going public with this she actually kept this ability that they call it to herself they said okay you know i want people thinking i'm crazy my parents might think i'm crazy i'm not gonna deal with this i'm just not gonna talk about it i'm just gonna let it go and we're just gonna go from there and that's exactly what rachel did so she just left everything basically to itself while she was younger and spent her life trying to hide this ability eventually she got to a point of an adult where she's like you know what i'm gonna say this and if people don't believe me they don't believe me whatever but i can help people with this ability and i'm going to so rachel claims there are multiple entities in the world and they have different levels like different tiers you have your lower tier your boss tier your god tier etc etc and she describes them as like clives and tricksters and demons and stuff like that this is how she would describe what the level of the entity is with the clives being ones that basically are around people at all times and they cause them like to be depressed and stuff like this her motion is this if you have a negative vibe you have more chances of being attached by a demon now there's not possessions in her opinion she says possessions are very very rare what her claim is is that this energy that is attached to you is what brings you lower and that's how they feed off of your depression or your sadness if you're in a happy place you won't have these things but if you're in a down place a lower place a negative vibe almost then this is something that they will do they will latch onto you and they will continue to be attached to you regardless if you move house or if you move countries whatever it may be a lot of cases from the warrens end up with people moving houses and still saying hey this ghost is still with me well it's because it's with you it's not with the house it's attached to you and that's what rachel says now originally rachel was a author she did stuff for games she did comics and she wrote a couple of books and she then had this whole entire thing her actual book the sister of darkness came out in 2017 and she only came out about this because of word of mouth she ended up talking to a person and she did this for stuff for this exorcism basically for free she never takes payment she takes donations for charities or something only rarely will she take payments so it wasn't something that she wanted to do she discovered that she could remove entities and exorcisms it's something that she was good at her first exorcism was performed on her then boyfriend at 31 and she is 39 now it was a quick rush job she described it as but after she found her footing she started performing two exorcisms a week she didn't consider her skill as an exorcist as exceptional and that's basically where she started off her career and then it started with word of mouth she ended up doing an exorcism on somebody famous who will rename nameless because she does not want to release that detail and then word of mouth started spreading next thing you know she's on dr oz and she's on all these shows talking about these exorcisms and how she can do all of this and more by changing their energy now earlier we discussed about the sage plants becoming extinct and how we need to work on different ways to replace that with a high positive energy now a high positive energy is something that is described as having a high frequency wavelength so if you're in a good mood and you're happy the high positive energy will radiate from you onto others making them have a higher positive energy too and this will create the effect of just constant happiness for others around it will create that vibe if you're in a mood though and you're in a dark mood a deep mood or whatever it may be it's also going to spread to others and that's how you have the chances of these demons or these entities attaching themselves to you so keep a high positive energy people always use sage but sage isn't the best thing to use with the plants becoming extinct we need to stop harvesting them and find something different so frankincense and myrrh these are two things that the church use a lot for exorcisms now when i'm talking about exorcists i know in your head you're thinking like the movie the exorcist they throw holy water they say the power of god compels you power of christ compels you they throw some holy water they do some other random shit and then they expect this ghost to be gone but spoiler alert it never happens it stays there why because they're not using that high positive energy that is being preached by rachel her say she is quoted as saying that 
The priests in there are using a high positive energy when they are calling upon Christ, but they're scared of the entity. As soon as they're scared of this entity, it cracks, it breaks them down, and that doesn't do anything. It's not going to make them go away, it's not going to compel them, it's going to make them stronger because they're going to feed off of that fear. So when you're in the exorcist and you're seeing him throwing the holy water and the, go the girl spinning her head around and she's like, I know when you touch yourself, or I know your sexual preference father blah 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 and he like freaks out and shit that's what the a demon or the entity in this case wants it wants you to be fearful it wants you to be afraid so it can feed off of that harness that energy and become stronger and i know it sounds like a video game or something when i'm like hey if it gets energy you become stronger but think about it you do the more energy you get the better you become if you have a lot of caffeine in your system in the morning, you're more energetic, you're more ready to go, you're more focused, you're more zoom, zoom, zoom. Energy drinks act the same way. The caffeine boost, it keeps, it keeps you going. It keeps you going along the way and it makes you feel like you can do a lot more. That's the kind of power that these entities are trying to harvest during these exorcisms. The idea is the demon to make you afraid of them. So if you're not afraid, you have more chances of getting rid of these demons. So that's where frankincense and myrrh comes in with the church collaboration, basically, that they have a high positive frequency, which will help the exorcism of the demon or the entity and it will help the exorciser or the exorcist who is doing the exorcism perform a much better higher level because it has a higher level of frequency so frankincense and myrrh is something that can easily replace sage which is obviously becoming extinct like we have said so rachel has been quoted as saying she didn't want to go public people did the parties and then it became public and then she had to end up doing it so she has very said multiple times that the demons, you know, the way they do it in the church isn't going to work. It's all about energy. And like I said, if you check out her book, then definitely read it. It's very good. It's very interesting. Um, she has multiple ways of discussing the demons and stuff. Like she has a wraith, for example, which she describes as attracted to sexuality. So I find that victims like who are being molested or assaulted or whatever than that or violent sexual imagery too young that's something a demon can attach to now multiple demons attach to multiple different things so the wraith will attack to attach to that the clives as she calls them will attach to the sadness and these higher powerful demons that she claims not the devil but are close to the devil on that kind of god tier level will attach themselves to so much negativity in that person's life that they become so powerful and then they can move on to another victim once that person has ended their life or done something drastic in which this demon can no longer feed off of that negative energy. So her suggestion is using the positive energy like we said with the frankincense and myrrh. So when she does her exorcism, she always goes in with a high mentality of she can break this demon, she can make them give up, and she can make them disappear. It's kind of like uh, Stranger Things. You remember Stranger Things when they have to close up the hole to the um, upside down? And then the Russians are trying to do it. Spoiler on uh, season three right here. The Russians are trying to reopen the portal, but Eleven ends up keeping it closed. And Hopper closes it and all this stuff. That's basically what Rachel describes her job as doing. Closing that portal from one side to the other. And she says that people have that ability themselves. They just have to relearn it because they're taught at an early age to ignore it. And while we're on that subject, we'll continue to discuss that in a minute, but this is what links Rachel and the Warrens together, because I know you're thinking, well, Zach, they're exorcisms, they're exorcists, that's all what links them, no. So, Rachel went to the Amityville house and stated that even though the Warrens claimed that it was haunted still, that, well, it wasn't haunted anymore, she discovered energies and demons of those in the Amityville house and she says it's still haunted there was a lot of investigation that she did on the warrens and she went to multiple multiple places the warrens went and she stated that every single place she went the warrens um, did not do their job correctly and there were still powerful energies and demonic levels and power still in the vicinity so this is something that was interesting to me when she was doing this interview on talk is jericho and she was talking about the warrens and then i looked into them and we had all this skeptical things about the warrens like how they were thinking 
that they were frauds and they didn't do anything and this kind of backs that up. Now a lot of people are going to say well Rachel might be scamming people and it's the same sort of thing that the Warrens were doing that she's just going in making a quick buck making some money and that's the end of it. Now I did say that she didn't take payments or she accepted donations to charities however she's making books and she's doing a TV series eventually so she's making money somehow but the thing is this, she didn't want to go public with it to begin with, once it went public it kind of spiralled and snowballed from there. So Rachel's trying to do her best with this so called gift that she has to help the community, to help out the people and she'll occasionally go up to a random person and be like yo I understand this is a problem, like they will call her, they will contact her on Skype and then she'll talk to them, will gauge their vibe length and stuff like that and then she'll go from there to determine whether or not she can do something. People get it confused though, people are like okay well she can, she can just go up to somebody on the street and be like hey I, your grandma says hello, that's a medium, that's a clairvoyant, that's somebody who can talk to spirits or can see spirits. Rachel isn't like that. Rachel doesn't see those, she sees energy and then if it's a demon or something like that she makes the energy out and that's what the energy looks like to her. So she can't exactly go up to the street and be like hey I see a little demon on your shoulder or following you or something like that. You may have been molested as a kid or you may be in a sad place, a depressed place or you may be in a violent state of anger. Let me help you because that's kind of creepy, kind of weird and a lot of people will be like get the fuck away from me, that's how you get arrested, okay? so. Doing that as what her talent is, she can't do that but people always come to her on Skype and email her and try and get her to do sessions with them to try and help their life. Now a lot of the times, much like on the synopsis, the idea is once they are speaking to her you want to try and get that high positive vibe. And that's what I've been preaching on the synopsis, you know, life it can be shitty sometimes but if you got to look on the upside you've got to be happy with it and you've got to make sure everything is working to the best of your ability and making sure that you as a person are doing what you can in life to make sure your life is the best it can be. So we're definitely trying to do that basically what Rachel's doing, we're not obviously trying to get rid of demons because we can't do that. The interesting thing, <laughs> the interest, yeah if I can get rid of demons oh my god my life will be a lot easier. Now the interesting thing with this is the way that Rachel looks, obviously being a female it was frowned upon, she, they were like she doesn't know what she's doing, she's not really an exorcist, blah blah blah. She isn't your typical Catholic looking person like the um, you're supposed to be, you know like an American horror story where they have the asylum and they're all dressed up as nuns and shit. She looks very Elvira like. Now if you don't know who Elvira is, check her out, google her, she was one of the old school hosts of like Halloween stuff and like that, she was very popular in the 70s so that's the vibe I'm getting from her. Now we'll talk about a couple of things that uh, Rachel has discussed, so Rachel says that she doesn't believe in any religion but she incorporates elements from each religion to be able to do what she does with these demons. She says she's never been called out by anyone from the Catholic Church but occasionally will work with clients who are nervous about accepting her help because she doesn't work within their religion. So Rachel will use multiple persons religions and figure out what she can do there to help with these demons or whatever this exorcism may be. So that is something that's very good, it's not just like okay you're not Catholic I can't help you, much like the other stuff in some exorcist movies and stuff like it's always catholic you never see the jews being exorcised or islam or anything like that it's always the catholics who are being exorcised so that's definitely what something is very stigma about is that catholics are the ones who perform exorcisms not the case whatsoever there are multiple religions who can do that she also says that pets can sense things that you can't but there are easy ways for to comfort them uh, Rachel believes that pets are capable of seeing or at least sensing entities in different wavelengths. If your pet seems uncomfortable what's going on in the room, tell the pet, you know, pet them, uh, use frankincense, use palo santo which again is sage and that is being extinct right now so use frankincense, use myrrh to raise the frequency vibration in the space to keep pets happy and make sure that that space is much more positive that way yeah you know what you won't be hopefully possessed or haunted by any random demons. 
So it's very interesting, like I said, what she does and what she believes in. Attachments are more common than you think they are, but they are not responsible for every haunting. So there's two different types of hauntings. There's deceased people and there's entities. Deceased people are people who lived and then they died. Entity is what people call demons. They've never existed as people. Many buildings are haunted. Uh, many people have deceased. Many buildings have deceased people. There's a one way and a two way. The Cecil Hotel is very infamous in LA, and it was served as the inspiration for American Horror Story Hotel. And made headlines in 2013 for the death of Elisa Lam. And if you believe what they said about Elisa Lam, um, she went crazy apparently, and then she died in the water tank. People didn't know what happened. Rachel believes it was a powerful, a powerful entity that she would call a realm walker, which is one of the most powerful entities that there could possibly be, in her personal opinion. Now, with that being said, one of Rachel's goals is to go to the Cecil Hotel, go room to room, explore every single area, and try and rid it of the entities that are there. And like we said, there's two different types of spirits. There is deceased people and entities. Deceased people are being people like you and me who have lived, they died and then they are in the other world and they're just kind of doing their thing walking around and they can be annoying they can't be harmful but they can be very annoying they can knock things over they can be there you can sense that cold feeling and that's your deceased spirit your entity is the spirit that has never lived it has stayed in the depths of what they call hell they say there's up there and there's down there up there you have your guardian angels and down there you have your entities your entities are what will haunt people your guardian angels are ones that will protect you now one of the entities is called a trickster and a trickster is an entity that will make people believe that it is a different kind of spirit for example it will make the person believe that it is their deceased loved one who was communicating with them or it is their guardian angel how can you have a guardian angel if you're being haunted or if stuff is happening to you that isn't a guardian angel that's helping you that's a trickster that's an entity that's a demon get that shit out of here so that's one of the things that they deal with in the exorcisms determining whether it is a demon, an entity, and what level of entity it is. And like I said previously, before when we did the Warrens, Rachel doesn't believe it's just like the Catholic kind of thing. It's all about the energy and the frequency and the vibes. So if you keep your vibes high, you're going to get rid of any of those entities or those spirits that could be around you. Like we said, the deceased spirits are one thing, but those entities are something completely different, which you really, really don't want to mess with. Because last thing you need to do is piss off an entity and you don't know how to deal with it, okay? Now, it won't be shown every day like you're being haunted, like stuff being thrown around off your desk or, you know, your sheets moving in your bed like they do in The Exorcist, those exaggerated things that happen, your neck turning 360 and shit like that. But it will be an everyday occurrence, something bad will happen or your life will be going downhill. You won't be really sure why, but you sense that something's wrong all the time. That is your entity following you. That's the Clive, that's the Trickster, that's the Realm Walker. It could be any of those. The more powerful the entity, the more likely your luck is going to be worse. Now, Rachel has been stated the same, that the entities do not harm you, however, they can cause harm. So, when, like, in The Exorcist, this girl's being possessed and she's just going around slapping bitches or whatever it may be, the demons might do that if they possess somebody, but they're not going to do that outside, so you're not going to have something scratching you at night or whatever it may be, because the demons aren't wanting to do that. They want to keep you alive, they want to keep you safe and healthy, because that's what they feed off of, your fear, your sadness, whatever it may be, that's their energy source to make their energy much more stronger. So obviously talking about the exorcists and exorcisms and stuff like that, you gotta think about how the positive energy and the higher frequency energy is gonna help exorcise those demons and that's what the church, the Warrens and Rachel all have in common is they keep that high energy level to ensure that they can get rid of the demons. Like they saying the Christ of the power of Christ compels you, they get in that higher energy from their belief in Jesus, which is giving them the strength to fight off the demon. It may not be the best way to do it, but the positive high energy is what is keeping them going. If they show fear though, that basically breaks that energy because now the demon has something that they can fear, and that is what puts them into the exorcist-like story. So, with that being said, 
Let's round up the podcast here by talking about a couple more famous exorcisms and talking about the aftermath of those. Obviously, we all know about Annalise Michael, who was basically the story of the exorcism of Emily Rose and Requiem. They're both loosely based on the story where this woman was allegedly possessed by six or more demons and when a secret 10-month voluntary exorcism to try to release those demons the movie that was made in Poland called The Exorcism of Annalise Michael has English subtitles it features original audio tapes on the exorcism and it really goes in depth onto what exactly happened. The priests were charged with negligent, negligent manslaughter because she only weighed 68 pounds by having an eating disorder. It was then claimed that they were trying to do the exorcism, they were doing God's work, and the ju- jury found them guilty and it was labelled a case of misidentification of an mental illness, negligence, abuse, and religious hysteria. That's the story of Annalise Mikhail or Michael, I'm not sure how you pronounce the last name, but that was one of those situations where they believed that they could get rid of these demons or whatever, this girl was only 24 when she died, and they believed that she they could get rid of these demons, she would hear voices, she was diagnosed with depressions, she was having seizures, she has hearing the voices, so she may have had some schizophrenia, and that's when the Catholic Church decided to come in, say she was possessed by a demon, try the exorcism, and then they had the whole situation of malnourishment, dehydration, that's how she died. A lot of things went into this story, there was a priest who met her who said she didn't look like she was epileptic and then the whole entire thing happened in the Catholic Church. They went for this exorcism and it ended up killing Annalise and that's basically the story of that. Another famous exorcism was Mother Teresa of all people. She underwent an exorcism later in her life under the direction of the Archbishop of Calcutta. He said that she seemed to be extremely agitated in her sleep and feared she may be under attack from quote unquote the evil one assuming he means the devil so mother Teresa actually had an exorcism so nobody knows how that ended up but rumor has it that she underwent an exorcism later on in her life to try and protect her from the devil so definitely something interesting there with mother Teresa so those are basically cases of exorcisms and stories about two exorcists right now we'll talk about rachel personal belief um i mean the personal belief doesn't really matter in situations like this it's about the person who is being exercised or whatever you don't have to believe in anything that's been said today or anybody who says they can do these things because at the end of the day it's not your decision on what they do in their life. So if you don't believe in it, that's fine. You don't have to believe in it. But there are those out there who believe, and then when they're doing this work, it helps them in life. And it's, if it's just a placebo effect, and it's just helping them believe that the good things are coming their way, then so be it. At least it's helped that person in one way or another. There's no reason whatsoever for us to be going around shitting on people you know for believing in this stuff like the warrens obviously was a very obvious case of exaggerated storytelling rachel not so much she's definitely one if you want to check out her book definitely check it out i'll bring up a lot of information about the stuff that we have covered today personally i do believe what she's doing is something that is more advanced than the warrens were doing and that she can sense those entities or that energy at the very least coming from people and like i said the warrens were very good storytellers rachel does not seem to be a storyteller she just seems to be saying what she sees and that the warrens were able to exaggerate their stories beyond belief make people fear use that fear-mongering tactic to release to the public and then the public would want more interest in them rachel didn't want to go public rachel wanted just to be left alone do her own things doing her screenplays her writing her author for her books her movies her comics whatever it may have been at that time but instead she got pulled into this lifestyle where she's now performing exorcisms for a living which i mean that's kind of cool nice little career change right i mean you're still writing you're still doing your thing but now you're performing exorcisms as a living so that's kind of a vibe so rachel what she's doing i think is good i think it's good for the world it's good for the people people who believe in that stuff it's great for them they definitely have that option people who don't believe in it that's fine as well they can just do their own thing and not worry about it that's like i said any religion i'll let people do their thing as long as it's not forced upon me then i'm chilling i don't care you do you homie and i'll do me 
So let's go into our last segment of the podcast. We're going to wind it down here and we are going to talk about some other things right here on the synopsis. Alright guys, so winding down on the podcast, it's definitely been an interesting one to research and to talk about today, talking about exorcists, exorcisms, and kind of stories behind them. I know I didn't get into like the subject of how people do the exorcisms and stuff like that, but that's not really my story to tell. If you want to hear that story, you can always check these people out. Obviously, the Warrens have a website up that's being run by their management company with both of them passing already. Rachel has her Twitter at rhstab. So you can follow her on there, ask her some questions. She had a Reddit that she did a year ago where people asked her questions. A lot of people were dicks to her on there. So if you're going to ask her questions, don't be a dick about it. Just be legit. Like, there's no reason to do that. There has been a DNA study that deepens mystery of a lake full of skeletons. Let's cover this real quick before we leave the podcast. Hundreds of bodies have been at Rupkund Lake who belonged to pilgrims who perished in a Himalayan storm more than a thousand years ago. Well, that's what researchers thought. Now it has been shown that these 38 sets of skeletal remains are from Asia. They have Asian ancestry from Rupkund, but they died during one or several events between the 7th and 10th century AD. What's more, the Rupkund skeletons contain another group of 14 victims who died there a thousand years later, likely in a single event. So all of these bodies are from different time periods and different events in this lake. So scientists are doing more research to figure out what exactly happened and why this lake is so popular with all these bodies being a thousand years apart. Either they were dumped or it was some place before where people lived and maybe there was a flooding, maybe there was a mass storm, I don't know. I wasn't alive back then. Maybe I was, I don't know, maybe I came back, maybe I'm not an entity. Maybe I am an entity, who knows? Who knows what's going on in the world anymore? There's nothing really trending today, so this time online, uh, the aftermath of everything, I'm not really going to talk about. This was just a fun episode to look at, a fun episode to record. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Like I said, you can follow us on Twitter at The Synopsis Pod and Instagram at The Synopsis Podcast. And if you have any other suggestions, what to do, what to talk about, Go ahead and tweet me, Instagram me, let me know. I want this to be as most fan-friendly as possible. I want you guys to enjoy what I'm doing, enjoy listening to it, and hopefully, you know, participate in this. Have have suggestions for me, have comments that you want for me. Let me know what you guys want to hear or you want me to research on. Like I said, this was a fun one to research. Looking at a lot of case files for the Warrens and looking at some stuff for Rachel. Rachel has a lot of people on YouTube who are quote-unquote exposing her or hating on her. 45-minute videos plus on this subject of them just completely hating on her, which is crazy to me that someone can spend 45 minutes just talking about pure hate and trying to expose somebody. Just chill out do your thing enjoy your life don't worry about it but hey what do i know i'm here doing a podcast talking about these people so i'm just as bad as that i guess shit so with that being said guys thank you for listening as always the synopsis is going to be here monday wednesdays and fridays even if we have air conditioning problems even if we have technical difficulties somehow some way i will upload three episodes a week or so i hope if i don't my instagram and my twitter are the best way to find out if there is a problem with either scheduling uploading or anything else so thank you for listening thank you for sharing if you like what you hear share with your friends Hit us with that follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever it may be what you are listening to on your device. And with that being said, we are going to be leaving here. I need to go feed my baby. I need to go spend time with my family. So I will hear you all the next episode on the synopsis. Don't worry, song lyrics will be coming back on Friday. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great day and a better tomorrow. Goodbye.